Hey y'all, I'm Tyler, and this is Outbound Sales Lift, where you can elevate your SDR team and transform your sales development efforts. Thanks so much for listening today. This is our first live broadcast of the show. And uh, if you're listening uh, on a podcast player, uh, please consider dropping us a rating. It really helps us get found. And, uh, and so others can find this show just like you did today. So on today's episode, we're going to be covering how to increase your positive outbound replies by 236%. And I had the pleasure of being joined by Mr. Colin Mitchell. Colin, how's it going? Man, I am uh, glad to be here. I know we're going to have fun. I love this topic. And um, yeah, to be the first live episode, I feel so privileged. We'll do it live. We'll do it live, baby. So Colin is the chief evangelist at Humantic AI. And like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about how to really increase those positive outbound replies that you're getting. So Colin, 236%, that seems, I mean, that's a crazy number. How do you increase by that percentage? And how do you get really these positive replies coming in with your outbound? Yeah. I mean, outbound, as you know, Tyler, is getting harder, right? For a lot of sales orgs, there's a lot of noise out there. You know, there's a lot of people that are having a hard time even just getting in the inbox, right? And there's a few things that we've seen that can really make a big difference in a few different ways to, and 236 is average. We've seen even higher. Like we just ran a pilot um, where a team had almost, you know, a 300% lift in positive replies based on one simple thing, personalizing the message based on the person right? Mm. So most people have sort of a baseline sequence that they're running, um, which is really typically based more on a persona, right? This is our ICP. Um, you know, maybe here's their size. Here's the problems that we think that they maybe have. All of that stuff is valuable, but what isn't taken into consideration is the variations of different people that are recipients of that message. And that's where you can really see a big lift is when you personalize to the person. And so what I mean is like, what does that particular person care about most? What are their communication styles and preferences? And what things should you avoid mentioning that are sort of like hot buttons or landmines or traps to avoid? So when you take all those things into consideration, you can personalize and you can do this at scale to the person rather than just sending your sort of baseline templated sequence that's all written based on persona. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it sounds like you think when we say personalization, when you're just personalizing to the persona, which I guess is a little bit more broad, that's not even really personalization, it sounds like no. you think. Yeah. Well, people are viewing personalization as like, hey, you went to this school. Hey, yep. really enjoyed this LinkedIn post. Really enjoyed seeing you on, you know, the podcast with Tyler. Those are, you know, shows that you like did some work to research that person before mm -hmm. sending them a message so that it doesn't necessarily feel like you just got jammed into a sequence and put on a list and clicked go. So those help a little bit, but what isn't taken into consideration is like, is this a person that cares more about relationships? Is this a person that cares more about impact or ROI? Um, so taking into consideration the things that matter most to these people and embedding that into the language and how you present, you know, your small value prop or your, you know, um, 
message there in the context to, to, you know, get some intrigue from, from the recipient. So let's talk a little bit then, like, let's get granular. What do you see working then? Like if we're going to go specific, we're going to go to the person, we're not going to the persona, we're going hyper specific to the person, the things that you mentioned, Hey, you went to school here. Hey, I saw you on this. Hey, I saw this online about your company. Those are the things that, that come to mind, right? When a lot of people think personalization, it sounds like you think those and other things are like, what are you seeing when you get granular as to like what type of personalization is working? What is not? How do you get 236% lift? Cause that seems astronomical, right? So what's the secret sauce there? Yeah. So the secret sauce is, is knowing your prospects and knowing what their personality type is, right? And, and knowing there's certain things like what your subject line should be based on their personality. Uh, what the, you know, should you say hi? Should you say, Hey, should you put first name only? Right. These are all small details that a lot of people think are meaningless, but the problem is, is sellers are writing messages the way that they would respond to a message if they were mm. receiving it. Mm. And the issue is that only works if you're sending a message to somebody that just maybe happens to have the same personality type as you. Yep. Uh, an example that I like to use a lot because <clears throat> I think it's one that makes a lot of people laugh is bullet points. A lot of times people love bullet points, but there's a good percentage of people that also hate them and it drives them nuts. And so really? I know we're talking about top of funnel, but let's just say, let, let's like think, let's say you have already a prospect engaged, right? And, mm -hmm. and you send them a message recap after disc discovery, right? You send bullet points because that's how you love receiving information. And they're a type that you shouldn't do that to. Well, that's enough to stall your deal. That's enough to even kill your deal because if it sits in their inbox for two weeks, what do you think is going to happen? Mm. Right? So, yeah. so that's an example that I like to use, but also just knowing, you know, are they a dominant person, right? If, if they're a dominant or a person, that means that they're very goal oriented. Mm -hmm. um, and you need to show them, you know, how, what it is that you do can align with the goals that you know that they have. And also relationships don't matter as much to them. Not that they don't matter. It's just not high on the list for them in priority when they're making business decisions, now, there's other people where it's the exact opposite. Small talk, rapport building, showing that you know what school they go to, you know, things pleasant, small pleasantries go a long way because they value that stuff. So knowing this information about the people that you're sending it to matters a lot. And that's how you can see these significant lifts in positive replies when you know this information before you hit go on that sequence. Gotcha. I want to go back and double click on the bullet points because I'm clearly a bullet point guy. And now I, I want to know why. So you've connected bullet points in messaging to personality type. And you're saying some folks love that. Others don't like it at all. I guess I want to know more. Who who does like bullet points? What personality types like it? What don't? And, you know, I'd love to just dig into that a bit deeper. There's a few, you know, different uh, types of people right? There's people where it's like bullet points are going to be a winning way to communicate. And, and then there's going to be people where you really should avoid them. Um, and so when we're talking about personality, right, it's, it's not so black and white, right? We, there's between the models that we use uh, at Humantic, there's 36 different possible variations of personality, right? So 
<clears throat> some people are going to be a hard yes, you should use them. Others are going to be like, avoid them at all costs. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's going to be some in between where it's like, hey, you, you could use it, but it's not necessarily like a recommended winning way uh, to communicate with those people. I see. Okay. So it's not necessarily a hard and fast rule <clears throat> because we have so many, 36 is a lot. Um, and I'm assuming some people are just very pro, some very against, some in the middle. And is that, it sounds like when you're, you also mentioned like, hi, or first name, or hey, also kind of with this, with that personality type would indicate whether or not which one of those you should use as well. Yeah. And also, also like length of message, right? Um, for example, C type people are very detail oriented, right? So your messaging should be much more proper, much more, you know, uh, buttoned up. You know, a lot, you see a lot of people writing messages without proper grammar, right? Which in a lot of cases work fine because people can process it that way. Uh, the same way that you see sort of like LinkedIn post formatting and stuff like that, right? <laughs> but if you send a message like that to the wrong person, they're going to think, what the heck is wrong with you? And they're never going to reply. So knowing- Even as simple as just the intro, like that could throw it off or the subject line, the wrong intro, using bullets or not, like you decrease your reply rate substantially to the wrong person. Maybe, maybe you never get a reply because of those little minor details. Or being too vague, right? Which is very common, right? Because- uh, speci specifically in top of funnel, people are just trying to create some intrigue or some interest, right? And so sometimes the language that they use is a little bit mysterious to, you know, and motivate people to want to learn more or tell me more about that, right? I mean, at least people that are doing outbound right are trying to create intrigue. They're not, you know, asking for time as their call to action. They're not sending a calendar link in the message. Um, and again, this is, this does happen. I'm talking about people that are even just doing well without bound today, right? Mm -hmm. They're not doing these things in a lot of cases, the way that that messaging comes across is very vague mm -hmm. and with the wrong type of person, that's going to turn them off completely. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. Well, I like that you think about creating intrigue and you bring up a good point there. You talk about CTAs too. Like, are there, do different personality types lend themselves? Like, should I use the meeting link with X personality type? Because that's the type of, I'm the type of person that just wants to be able to book through the meeting link. Other people, if you do a direct CTA like that, that's going to really turn me off. Does that, does it carry on to the CTA? Is it really like every single piece of the email, the personality type would indicate yes, no, or maybe? Yeah. So, so there's a lot of different ways that we can, we can break it down. And, you know, one thing is, yes, there's some people where you really need to formally state your ask, like be very direct. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and that's, what's going to win them over. Um, but we get into a lot of nitty gritty details all the way from subject line to salutation. So, you know, skip high or Hey, with some people, um, you know, or, or skipping greetings, right. Some people like greetings, like, Hey, you know, hope everything's going well, like, yep. which, which is a line that a lot of people, you know, hate and say never use, <laughs> but with some people it's actually uh, recommended. Now, also another big one is emojis and gifts, right? A lot of people are trying to bring creativity into their messaging. And some people that are a little bit more informal mm -hmm. uh, are going to uh, appreciate that, right? But others we would say that you recommend it or uh, we, we would say you avoid it completely. 
Okay. And then we talked about bullet points a little bit. Um, but then like that closing line, that, uh, that CTA, which is kind of what you asked, uh, we'll even give you like specific things, uh, that we can recommend. Like, should you formally state your ask? Yes. Okay. So you might want to try something like, Hey, if you're available tomorrow, could we discuss this? Or, mm -hmm. you know, would you be open to chat you know, learning more about this sometime next week? So really formally stating your ask, uh, with, with certain types of people is, is highly recommended. Also tone, right? What should the tone of your words, mm -hmm. you need, do you need to come across confident or not? What your overall messaging should be focused on, right? With some people, um, it needs to be more on output driven on other types of people. Uh, it needs to be more like relationship focused because that's something that really matters to them a lot. Uh, a lot of sellers are taught that like rapport building and relationships and there's people that sit on different sides of the fence of like, you know, we've got the people who think relationships matter and it's the yep. most important thing. And then we've got people that sit on the side of the fence where it's like, no, relationships don't matter. If you solve a problem and there's value, like they don't need to be friends with you. Who cares? Right. Uh, I'm sure you, I don't know what side of the fence you sit on Tyler. Um, but the answer is they're both wrong because it matters on who the person is. It doesn't right. matter. It depends on the personality type, right? Exactly. Which it's, it sounds like, okay, there's all these personality types. Obviously, Humantic, the tool, like has some way of figuring out I'm personality type 32 and you're personality type eight. But how does that even happen? Like, how do, how do you know what personality type I am? Yeah. I mean, do you want me to tell you? I mean, yeah, I'd like to know, like, what's the, what's the way in which you determine yeah. which one of these I am? Is it just based on my LinkedIn so, profile or what does it look like? Yeah. Yeah. So we scan the digital footprint in like 30 seconds or less and identify personality. And so for you specifically, Tyler, you're, you're a DS type, right? DS. And so, yeah. Okay. And so the reason, um, you know, and there's not a lot of people that do this type of, you know, have this sort of technology available. There's one other company that does it. And they follow disc only. We, we use disc and ocean, which are also referred to as the big five. Um, and disc so that's why and ocean and ocean. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so they're also, you know, commonly referred to as the big five, right? So that's how we can get really, really granular and accurate, um, by using both of those, uh, personality models. Okay. And so for you specifically, you're a DS, right? So that means okay. you, and, and if you're following disc, like there's four quadrants, yes. D I S and C. Um, and, you Which know, what are those four? Just so, just to let the audience know, what are the four stand for in DISC? Yeah, so D is like a dominant type, I yep. is influencer, S is steady, and then C is a calculative type. Okay, yep. and then there's all variations, right? You could be D, S, you could be, you know, D, historically, I, I think when so I've on. taken it, I've been like D, I, kind of like straddling the line between D and I. Yeah, yeah. and and the test people that have take the te taken the test. You know, sometimes those can be a little bit tricky and the results can vary because uh, you're bringing your own bias into answering those questions. <laughs> you're answering right? the question like you're like what you want to be perceived as, maybe not exactly. the actual truth. <laughs> exactly. I've always yeah. thought that when you're taking those personality tests, like, I mean, is this really what I am? Or I don't know. They I'm try kind to, of like, <laughs> yeah, they, they try to ask you, you know, like things in different ways instead yeah. of like, hey, am I still getting the same? answer with this question and some of them can even feel a little bit tricky right yeah oh it um, does i feel like you always get caught in the middle well maybe i'm that but maybe i'm that i don't know <laughs> yeah and then if you don't like the results you take it again right oh, yeah i don't want to be a d i'm an i i i'll take this thing until i make it i'm done i'm an i so <laughs> yeah and, and now if you t like let's say you sell into a particular title of people right like let's say you sell SaaS and you sell sales software into mm -hmm. sales leaders 
um, you're going to see a lot of you're going to see a lot of uh, consistency around the types that you see. Lots of sales leaders are high di- high D types, and they yeah. could be. But then it gets more granular. They can be a DI, they can be a DS, and then sometimes you even get you know an oddball in there that's something that you're like, really, this, you know, don't see <laughs> is a lot that of possible? that. Possible? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and, and these, you know, we're talking mostly about outbound messaging, but I've even seen this stuff work really well, even like cold calling and prospecting. Um, so, you know, we see teams, you know, basically bucket their leads based on personality and That's we've so even ran, cool. some, yeah, we've yeah. ran some tests ourselves as well. Um, where you're not necessarily changing the call script as much cause that can be a little bit overwhelming. Um, but you know, the goal of a cold call is to get into a conversation. And so once you get into a conversation with somebody based on whatever your, you know, script is and stuff like that, um, the, you know, how you frame that conversation, the tone of, in which you, you know, uh, get into that conversation can be different based on the person's personality. hundred percent. So you mentioned DS, the S stands for something else, right? We went through the disc scale. The S is that ocean scale. There's a second layer to this that gets it more granular almost. Yeah. So it actually rates you, uh, you know, out of one out of 10 in each quadrant. Okay. Right. And then your, your personality is going to be a variation of the two quadrants that you score the highest on. Right. So, um, and, but then there's other factors taken in there. Like you, you know, you could score, you know, high on two and then the third one could be, you know, fairly high, but not as high. So there's, there's a lot, you know, without getting too deep into the weeds, um, about how this stuff works, the recommendations are based on, you know, the entire score of the combination of, yep. you know, both personality models. Got it. That makes sense. So I can hear some SDRs and leaders out, SDR leaders out there saying, well, our prospects don't have a digital footprint. So, you know, our typical buyer does. not yeah. So this, like, the day you could spit out a DS to me, but that, uh, where did you base that off of? Because I've been to their website and their LinkedIn or whatever online mm-hmm. and there's not much there. So is, does there have to be data in order for this to be accurate or can it be accurate with limited amounts of data? Yeah. So a couple things there, which is a great question, by the way. Um, yeah. Some ICPs are going to be a little trickier, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, we, we resolve from LinkedIn, Twitter, or email. So even if we have email, we can resolve from there. Now we resolve at a slightly lower, uh, resolution percentage, you know, mm-hmm. than like say LinkedIn or Twitter with email. Um, but we're also going to give like a confidence score, right? Like, Hey, with you, Tyler, we are a hundred percent confident. You're a DS, right? So it was a hundred percent with my yeah. score because yeah, my digital footprint is active, right? Yeah. Your, so your digital footprint goes- is big. It goes down based on the activity level almost online? Based on the amount of data that we have to Got come it. to that conclusion. So, you know, if you see that, you know, it's a 60, 70% confidence level, mm-hmm. you know, that's usually not enough to say definitively, I know this is the type, but it's probably yep. close enough. Um, but generally speaking, you know, eight, nine, 10, eight to nine times out of 10, you know, we're going to be 90% plus you know, uh, confident in, in, in the score that we're giving based on that person. Mm -hmm. Now there's going to be some people that are, you know, some particular ICPs that are a little bit trickier. Um, but also, you know, it it just depends because just because they're not posting as much as Tyler, um, doesn't mean that they don't have a, a digital footprint that, uh, that you're, you know, they could have a digital footprint that you're not aware of. Right. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. 
So it sounds like obviously using a tool like Humantic would make this easy, but let's say you don't have a tool like Humantic or that's something that you know your, your team can't afford. How can you implement some of these principles without a tool that makes it really easy to implement these principles? Yeah. So I would say a good place to start is like there's a wealth of knowledge online, mm-hmm. podcast blogs, people posting on social um, that talk, talk about disc selling uh, generally, right? And, you know, disc selling is not some new novel, you know, concept. Um, It's just that there's never really been great technology to enable sellers to be able to pull that off. So people have, you know, mostly relied on reading people, right? Mm. So, you you know, based on your, your body language, your tone, the things that you say, I have to then process that and start to figure out what I think that you maybe might be. Um, you know, if you're practicing it quite regularly, then you can get good at it. A good place to start is really knowing yourself first. Like what, what is my type? What are the things that I tend to care most about? What are the things that drive me nuts? You know, how, what things come into play um, that would drive me to reply to a, you know, email if somebody was prospecting to me. So, so yep. knowing yourself first is a really good place to start. And then just, you know, we have a ton of resources. There's tons of resources out there about DISC. I would say the big place to start where a lot of people can just like start to really take a bite out of this mm-hmm. is knowing what things to avoid with each mm. type, right? And so going back to a couple examples, you know, with just those type, four, and when you say by each type, Colin, you just mean you're just simplifying it down to DISC, not the 36 types, but just yeah. the four. Yeah, with. yeah. You you don't need to know every you know all thirty six types and variations, right? Because that's just a well. ton of things to keep up with. Oh no, what? Which one yeah. is he? You know, versus yeah, we, four is a little bit more manageable. Yeah, we we have a, a ton of resources on this stuff where we have like, hey, reasons that these particular prospects might be tough. You know, mm-hmm. what the winning strategy and magic lever traps to avoid landmines, things like that. So, I would say the first thing to do is like really know yourself. Um, you know, get familiar with some of the resources that are available out there, whether it's from from Humantic or any any other, you know, um, places. Just Google like out. disc disc selling. Yeah, is disc kind of selling. The, yeah, is yeah. that the name that it's put on, or personality type selling, or something like that? Yeah, disc selling is is a you know sales methodology that a lot of sales organizations you know use, um, yeah. but typically you know they're you know, they're having you know disc trainers coming in and enable yep. the team and it's just it's part of their culture. So you know after you kind of get a good sense of your own personal type, whether it's whether you run your pro- pro- profile in Humantic, whether you um, you know take one of those tests, you know maybe once or twice or a couple of times to f- <laughs> feel feel happy with your results. <laughs> um, yeah. Whatever the case is, knowing yourself first is, is a really good place to start. Um, and then just starting to understand what things you should avoid. What yeah. things you should avoid is a really, really good place to start um, because you'll start to see certain people and you know language that they use. And, and, and a good, another great example that I like is like you hop on a Zoom call and you know, if you're with a D person, you know, skip the pleasantries, like just get right into it. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. And, and, and now the opposite there is, is if you're with an I type, you know, small talk, relationship building. And, and the funny thing is, is those things are really important to them. So mm-hmm. sellers tend to default to whatever they are because they, they just, that's what they think is a winning strategy. And so it, the funny thing is you get on with an I type and, you know, you ask them how they've been, how their weekend was or whatever the case is. And you just see them like light up like a Christmas tree. And you're like, wow, 
this stuff is actually really powerful. And, and if you're not, you know, a high eye or, you know, sc score high in that particular uh, quadrant as a seller, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable for you mm -hmm. because from your perspective with your bias, you're going to think, man, if I was on the other side of the table, that would drive me nuts. Like, let's just get to the conversation. You know, let's get into it. <laughs> but you um, could almost listen for that, right? I mean, you could prompt with a question initially and then based off of that answer, that's probably a signal. Oh, this person's leaning D, this person's leaning I. And then I guess with an S and a C, I mean, I don't know, you might hear it. You might hear different things, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like with S types, you know, you, 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 you really don't want to be pushy. They're just typically slower paced people. So with them, if you're, you know, really aggressive or pushy or try to create some false fake urgency, you know, discounts to close it, like that stuff's just going to drive them away, you mm. know? And, and so, and like what I, with a C type, you know, I said they're very detail oriented, right? So like really get, you know, telling them a little bit more about how the sausage is made, um, is, is recommended. And if you're the type that doesn't care how the sausage is made, just care how it tastes, that's going to feel weird for you. But, yeah. uh, with them, it's, you know, going to be the way to win them over. hundred percent. Colin, any parting words of advice for someone just trying to implement some of these, this dis selling methodology? Yeah, I think you know if you're curious about this sort of stuff and you're and you're wondering how do I get started, um, knowing yourself first, like I said, is a good place to start. Knowing some of these things to avoid, really just starting to put it into practice, because like we said, you know we've ran tons of pilots, we have teams that have had tons of success, and we've seen you know anywhere from range from two to three hundred percent increase in positive reply for cold outbound, which everybody knows is extremely hard right now. Mm. Um, and so yeah. think about, you know, whatever that means for you, how many more meetings would you book if that was the case, how much more pipeline would you generate and so on. Awesome. Well, Colin, thanks so much for the great conversation today. You can find Colin on LinkedIn and we'll link to his LinkedIn profile and the Humantic website in our show notes. Those are going to be at our website at thesaleslift.com. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of Outbound Sales Lift. Make sure you hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast to check out next week's episode filled with more great ideas on transforming your sales development efforts. For those listening in live, thanks so much for joining. And remember, no sales starts until you book that meeting. 